Welcome to the Bridegroom Speaks podcast with Laura Ercolino. In today's episode, Laura is joined by her sister and ministry co-leader, Dee Yarrison. We're doing a little Advent reflection around the theme of meeting Jesus in the desert and letting him quench our thirsting hearts. And so I know that oftentimes the theme of desert is something we think about more during Lent than Advent. But Advent, you know, as we know, is a season of preparation, of preparing ourselves to be with Jesus in a new way, in a deeper way come Christmas. So what we're going to talk about today is really not necessarily a penitent desert place, but a desert place where we go barren and bare and just allow ourselves to be with our bridegroom and let him be with us and heal our hearts so we can arrive at Christmas in a deeper place with him. The way I see the Advent desert as differing from the desert of Lent is that when we go to that place where we are barren of the things of the world that distract us from Mm -hmm. Jesus, that then it's easier without all that distraction to recognize the ways that he comes to us, his love and his living water, his graces. Mm -hmm. It's easier to recognize him. You know, sometimes he comes to us as almost like the imperceptible dew. His love is so soft and gentle and that when we're distracted, we miss it. And so during Advent, if we can go to this desert place within us, he's always calling to us and wooing to us to to come. And so if we can say yes and go to that place with him, then we can, without all the distractions, more easily recognize and receive all the love that he has for us. Yes, I love that we have chosen the metaphor of journey through Advent, and there's two verses that beautifully tee it up. There's a verse in Hosea that marks entrance into the desert. Do you want to read that one? Sure. So it's Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. I will allure her into the desert and there speak tenderly to her heart. And so at the beginning of the journey, it's that recognizing the ways that he is wooing us and alluring us, singing and calling to us to come, to come to him in the desert. Beautiful. And then there's the exiting the desert from Song of Songs, which says, who is this coming up out of the desert, leaning on her beloved? So we, he allures us in, we have an encounter with him in the desert, and then we leave the desert with our beloved, with Jesus, our bridegroom, leaning on him. What we want to talk about today is what happens in the desert? (laughs) 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 Who is this bridegroom and what are we doing? How are we getting to know each other there? Yeah. Yeah, so that second verse from Song of Songs is chapter 8, verse 5. It's at the very end of the song. And one of my favorite books is The Cantata of Love, which takes the Song of Songs and explains it line by line. It just totally opens it up and just really has helped me to come to know who is Christ the bridegroom? What does that mean? And what does this mean that he calls me to be his bride, that that's who he says I am? And that book has been tremendously helpful. And in there, I read that in some scripture translations, some of the older translations um, actually say, who is this coming out of the de- up out of the desert, leaning on her beloved's heart? 
to me, what that means is that in this time together in the desert, like not only have I come to know Christ the bridegroom, but I know his heart now. <laughs> and I'm, wow. I'm leaning, it's that intimate personal relationship with my bridegroom that I can come back out of the desert, not just leaning on his arm or holding his hand or knowing he walks beside me, but actually in his heart. Wow. Um, wow. That's powerful. And so as we think of Advent as a time of preparation, I feel like there's things I'm supposed to do in Advent to better prepare to be, even better to prepare to be loved by the Lord. Like there's something more I have to do in order to receive his love. And I think that that is actually not true, you know? And, <laughs> and I know that that's part of what you've learned. Maybe you could share a little bit of your own story of going into the desert and finding that the bridegroom was there waiting for you to come to him. Yeah, I think something that I've been hearing already um, we're not that far into Advent, less than a week. One of the things that I keep hearing in my prayer is don't try harder, try less. Right. <laughs> try less, do less, just be still with me. I'll right. do the doing. Yeah. When we get caught up in that, I have to do more, I have to try harder. I've got this book I should be reading and that book and this devotion. And that, that again is distractions that actually pulls us away from his heart. Yeah. It's that sitting quietly. One of the things is I've made the Song of Songs and the Cantata of Love that is what I make sure I read every day. Everything else that I'm trying to study and read, that I don't give up on, that I don't let slide. And I'm not reading it though to study it. I'm reading it to let him sing and speak to me. And so even if it's midnight and I'm finally crawling into bed and I'm so tired, if all I can do is pick up my little tiny copy of the Song of Solomon and just let it open, you know, sometimes two, three lines is enough. And mm -hmm. just to ask him then, even as I sleep, to sing to me in my sleep, you know, speak right. to my heart that yes. I don't have to do anything, but take his word in and, and just let it bloom inside of me. I would like to talk about that more. I'm thinking about the imagery in Hosea. I will allure her into the desert where I will speak to her heart. You know, think about the desert, there's nothing there. Wide open space, there's nothing to do except sit on the sand, barren, like even metaphorically become a bit of a desert ourselves and, you know, and come barren hearted so that way he can fill me, as you said, with the living water. And I think that's a hard thing for us to, to do, certainly in our day of mm -hmm. got to achieve, got to accomplish, got to get things off the to-do list. So let me jump back a minute yeah, here sure. to the Song of Songs and what I've learned just about that as far as um, its place in scripture and sacred scripture. Yeah. So for many, many years, when I would come across verses from the Song of Songs, they would actually, in the language I've learned from my Theology of the Body courses that I've taken recently, is they pierced my heart. They certainly pierced my heart. But that piercing, although it's Jesus's love can be very painful. And I turned away, I pushed, I didn't want that. And I couldn't understand what was going on. Like, why am I having this, phys I mean, it was a physical pain in my chest. Why am I having this pain when I'm reading scripture? And so I thought, well, I must just not be meant to read this part of scripture. There's plenty of scripture. I don't have to read this on the spot. There's much more important. There's gotta be more important books to the Bible anyway. This is some little book in the Old Testament. I'll just stick to the New Testament, you know, and read the gospels. And so I would just push it away, push it away, push it away. 
And so actually what I was trying to convince myself was not important. It didn't matter to Jesus if yeah. I ever read the song. It's actually, this is where he was trying right. to sing and speak love to my heart. But that love, when you're not used to being loved, yes. <laughs> it can cause pain and it can cause that, oh, no, 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 I'm not going. I'm not, it was so foreign. You know, I'm not, I can't go there. So there, that was a challenge too, to actually push through that discomfort and pain and begin to open up slowly to letting him speak these words of love, you know, to hear the Lord say to you, my beautiful one, you are without flaw was like, oh no, you're not, who are you talking to? Not me. <laughs> it's not me you're talking to. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me hide my face. Yes. Um, <laughs> Laura, yeah, that's, that's just hard. such a common, I mean, we all feel that. I think this is so important. You know, one of the most insidious lies of the enemy is not you. He doesn't, he's not talking, he's not talking about you. You know, you have to do these 10 things first before you will be worthy of that kind of love. And that is just a lie, but it's a lie we all believe. Well, and sometimes even feeling it, I could never do enough to deserve that love. Like, forget it. Like, we it's can't, totally right? impossible. Like, not even just, well, wait until I do these things. Like, I will never right. be yeah. that person. You will never look at me and say those words. Like, that's the whole thing that we have to get. Is like you said earlier, stop trying. Stop trying to do things and let him do the doing. And this is the song he's been singing to each one of our hearts mm -hmm. from the beginning of time, you know? He's not waiting for anything from us. He waits for us, which is really mind-blowing right. to yes. think about it, that our Lord stands there mm -hmm. like a man who has just proposed to his bride, the mm -hmm. love of his life. And he's just waiting, waiting yes. with eager yeah. anticipation and yearning for us to say yes to his yeah. proposal. Like he waits for us. It just takes yeah. me back to Mary. It just keeps, it always right. takes me back to Mary and yeah. to asking her to help me to have that spiritual courage and spiritual fearlessness to just say yes to his love and to his wow. will to yeah. just be able to say, okay, I don't understand. Mm. I don't know when I say yes in this moment, I don't know what's going to happen in the next moment, even <laughs> never mind okay. next year. If I say yes to this now, but just trusting all he has for us is gift. It all comes from love. So I can trust that whatever it is, it's going to be love. Like I can know that for, with certainty, that it is love, that he reigns over all, you know? And just remembering his will cannot be denied. He reigns over all and he is love. Yeah, that's right. So Jesus, I trust in you. <laughs> like right. there's nothing else better to trust in than him. And that can be so difficult when we're faced, I mean, you know, many people that we minister to obviously are faced with unbelievable, hard, that appear to be unbelievably horrible, awful things that nobody should ever have to endure, right? So to be able to say that we have to go into the desert to meet his heart, to lean, to learn to strip away everything else. And I think one of the things we have to strip away is, um, you know, he tells us several places in scripture about the mind of God, the most foolish foolishness of God, you know, is like far beyond our like wisest wisdom. We don't, we don't know what that means. We can't get that. So we just have to stop trying. Right. I mean, one of my 
prayers I find myself saying daily lately is just, I just surrender to your mystery. You know, mm -hmm. I just surrender to your mystery. I surrender this constant need I seem to have to understand. <laughs> I just well, surrender. Sure. Yeah. I give that to you and I surrender to your mystery and that's just beautiful. let me just sit here with you in that. And I think that's what being in the desert then. So what happens there? And I think that you, like you were saying, having to strip away that need to be doing and trying and let him do. And what he wants to do is really just to love us. You know, like we said at the beginning, it can be hard for us even to recognize his love because it's so foreign to what we have come to think of as love. Like I'm realizing that as I come to know the bridegroom better and better and keep letting him strip things away, is he's like untwisting, undistorting maybe what I thought it meant what what yeah. I thought even the word love means like sure. what is that and what does it mean to be loved and to love it's in many ways almost contrary to what our culture today tells us is love mm. there is a way that we have completely gotten confused about letting ourselves be loved because that means that I, I'm just loved because I'm lovable I'm not loved because I look a certain way I'm loved because right I've been created by love so two things are going through my head at the same time here. And I, <laughs> one is St. John Paul II's, his statement that he reflects on. It's part of the theology of the body writings. It's part of, I think, love and responsibility. Pretty, probably, probably I will find out one day. That's probably pretty much part of everything he wrote, that we are gift that we have been given to one another from God. And so that means even first, when Jesus himself looks at you, he says, D, you are gift. You have been given to me. Yeah. When you look in the mirror, he wants you to look in the mirror and say to yourself, I am gift. I have been given to myself as gift from God. And when you look yeah. at your spouse, when you look at your children, when you look at the, the man walking down the other side of the street, to be able to look and say, you have been given to me. You are gift. And that's why we love because we have been gifted to one another. Not what we look like, not what we can do for one another, not what I can do for you, but just simply because you are. And then the other thought was that I think maybe as you were talking about how so much in our culture today is about, we're talking about how we look at one another, how we look at ourselves, and how we're meant to look at one another only as in the image of God, only as gift, the dignity of the human person. It took me back to probably my first experience with the Song of Songs and the Cantata of Love that was painful, but healing pain. When I was first introduced to the Cantata of Love, the first night I had it, I asked Jesus, okay, I think you want me to open this book. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> you know, I've been putting off <laughs> reading Song of Songs, but I, it's time. What do, you, what do you want me to read? You know, where do I start? And I let it open and it opened to the interpretation of a line right from near the beginning of the song. And the bride 
is speaking to, in some translations, it says friends, chorus, others. But she says, I am very dark, but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem. Like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? And when I opened the cantata of love the first time, it opened to the explanation of the line, do not gaze at me because I am dark. And at first I thought, what on earth does that mean? And what does that have to do with me? Mm-hmm. And I opened the cantata and it's talking about really how we all feel that we are not worthy to have Jesus, to have God look upon us, that it's our sin, our shame, our wounds. You know, for each one of us, it's something different, but we all have something that we feel makes our complexion dark. For me, it took me right back to actually feeling this sense that I had been in darkness for a long time, that all I had known was the dark of depression, chronic pain, the shame and the guilt and the (laughs) sadness, everything that went along with that and wanting always to hide that. And as the book goes on explaining what that line means, he quotes from St. John of the Cross, who says that it is actually the gaze of the bridegroom that heals us and reveals our true beauty. And that once we stop hiding and we allow the bridegroom to gaze upon us, even in those places that we've tried to hide from ourselves, from, from God, that <laughs> beauty is revealed. And then we just hunger and long for that gaze. <laughs> um, yes. That it's in his looking at us that we become the beautiful one that he loves. Right. It's like this reciprocal cycle that gets started, but it has to get started. It has to get started. And so the preparation in Advent, the, what occurs in the desert is that unveiling ourselves and allowing him to gaze. And then we can come out of the desert, leaning on his heart, knowing that we are his beautiful bride. Mm. And that it's in his loving us that we become. It's not in what we do. It's in his, it's just receiving his love. Right, receiving. So maybe we can start to wrap this up by offering some practical thoughts on how to do that. And I'm reminded of what Father Delacy and I jokingly call the theology of fake it till you make it. So (laughs) that that there's power in us. I, I might not believe that I'm worthy to be gazed upon by Jesus as I am, but if he says I am, then I I can try that on. Trying something on that's different and trusting, but, but being able to do that because the Lord says, right? I, I believe him. So even if I'm not feeling it about me, I can step out on that limb and try it on. And so maybe what that would sound like here, maybe we can make up a couple of prayer-like mantras or whatever we want to call them. A really simple one occurring to me is, Jesus, I believe mm-hmm. you. I believe you. I believe that what you say about me is true. Yeah, I think that. For me, it 
was and is that Jesus, I believe that there's nothing I could do mm-hmm. to be worthy. And that's why I need you and your love. And that's this awesome truth about our Lord and how he loves us. And then the more that we accept it and accept his love, it's this humble awe. <laughs> like I am not worthy of this. And yet I'm in awe because it's really true that yes. you do love me like this. Right. Accepting yeah. again that this is what he wants to do for us. Even make it really practical if we're forming like a real affirmation, we would say it in the present tense. So maybe it would be something like, Jesus, today I accept your love for me. I receive your love. Just do it. Just be open. Say yes and open your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just offering a prayer. My dear Jesus, my bridegroom. As I journey through this Advent, I open my heart to you. I open all of my heart, including the dry, barren places, the wounds, and I receive all the love that you have for me, and I trust in your love. Mother Mary, please be my constant guide and my companion. Help me prepare by doing less, by trusting more, by being still and quiet, open and receptive. Teach me to say yes to our Lord. Amen. For more resources and our consecration to Christ the Bridegroom, visit hopesgarden.com the sanctuary where the spousal love of Christ the Bridegroom heals hearts, marriages, and families.